G'day everyone, welcome to the sixth installment of the Mungrel Punt podcast. We're taping this on Sunday afternoon, or nearly evening, 23rd of February, so we have the Lions and the Power locking horns in the background as we record. We won't be talking about that because we won't know what's going on. But we did just watch the, the Ruse absolutely whack the Tigers in the AFLW. We'll have that up as part of our AFLW review on our site in the next three or four hours, I suppose. Welcome once again to Mrs. Mungrel, the master of, or mistress, of humongous lasagna preparation. I did and, make a lot. And lover of Oak Island. Oh, no, 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 no. I love the television series, Curse of Oak Island. Yes, that's yeah. it. Yeah, I don't want anyone thinking it's like a craft beer or something. No, well, people in Brunswick can have that all to themselves. And <laughs> We're brought to you by themungrelpunt.com. On the site this week, you would have seen um, reviews for every one of the Marsh Series games, or the first three anyway, and we'll be doing them day by day as they go up over the next week or so. I think there's one more game today, and then we're off until next Thursday. Our AFLW Round 3 review will be up tonight with a bit of luck. We'll cover each game in depth, all condensed into one article. Big thanks to Matt Passmore, Daniel John Kershaw, Alex Doherty, Joseph Arthur, and Nick Sluggett, the slugger for all their input into the article. I really appreciate it, guys. Uh, Don't forget to have a look at some Mungrel memberships if you're not a member already. Uh, What's the benefits? Mrs. Mungrel, what's the benefits of being a Mungrel member? (laughs) Good answer. She doesn't know. But I'll tell you, there's a piece on Nat Fife up at the moment and his pursuit of immortality chasing a third Brownlow. And at some point in the next couple of days, I think I'm going to forego a bit of sleep and put together our player power rankings for the first weekend of the Marsh series. Do you want to know if Bont was more impactful than Christian Petrarca? Well, <gasps> the hair versus the thighs. Yes, he has a great pair of thighs, Petrarca. He looks Magic. a bit thinner this year, looks a bit thinner. But we've uh, we've got a bit of a system that we use to figure out where players rank on a week-to-week basis, and we'll be putting that up for members later on this week. So we might jump into the Marsh series. We're um, three games in as we tape this, and on Thursday night, it was the the Saints beating the Hawks, and I've got a few ups and downs. Before you say anything, I pegged the Saints to win it all this year, off to a good start. Yeah, did yeah. you also peg the Suns to win it all this year? I did. You did, yes. A bit of a wild prediction there, but they're <laughs> off, to a, off to a good start. Uh, the Saints unveiled a couple of new recruits on Thursday night. Probably the standout amongst them was Brad Hill, who they pinched over the offseason. He had 18 touches, but it's more the quality of his touches that were the standout. I mean, I think his first three kicks hit people inside 50, so he was obviously a wonderful player for them. My favourite was Dougal Howard, your favourite also. Dougie Hauser, MD. Yeah, uh, he was pretty good in the first quarter. A few big spoils, but drifted out after he looked like he hurt his shoulder trying to go a little bit too hard on a tackle. Uh, loved what Jack Steele brought to the contest. He played on another one of your favourites, Mrs. Mungrel, who plays for Hawthorne. Ruffy. Oh, my gosh. Ruffy's retired now. It's another guy won eight Brownlows, according to you. Oh, Spit Tom Mitchell. Tom Mitchell. Tom Mitchell. So Jack Steele, one of the best taggers in the league, decided to welcome Tom Mitchell back to football by paying him very, very close attention for probably three quarters. Because that's all Tom Mitchell played, so it'd be pretty hard to. Unless he went and sat well, next. Maybe he just went over and, you know, sat with him on the, bench. on the bench. Yeah, well, you know, they, we don't want to speculate what they do in their spare time. <laughs> but Jack Steele was really good. Had 26 touches, 16 of them were contested. 
Tom Mitchell had 21 and three quarters, so he was no slouch and looked a little bit rusty. But, you know, I suppose first game back after probably 18 months with no football, you'd expect he'd be a little bit rusty. Tim Membry was probably best on ground, 24 touches, 12 marks and four goals. Was leading right up to the halfback flank with five minutes to go, so he's obviously fit and ready to fire this year. Dan Butler they got from Richmond, although I don't think Richmond actually wanted him anymore, which is pretty sad for Dan, but he tackled really, really well and uh, had 10 inside 50s to lead the game. I was pretty happy with him overall. I mean, the Saints, anything they get out of Dan Butler this year is going to be a bonus. A boner. A bonus. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible because I was just <laughs> I was just thinking when you talk about tackles and, you know. <laughs> and boners. Yeah. There's a guy who plays for North Melbourne called Aiden Boner. I can't help it. So is... I, was, I was really upset that he was traded. Or well, he wanted to be traded from GWS because they had a boner and I coming on the same team. Oh. And I just wanted them to combine once. It would have been a very pleasurable experience for the team. I've been waiting to use that for months. <laughs> the downs, Chad Wingard. I thought he had a really good start and faded pretty quickly after quarter time. I saw him run past James Warple for a handball at one stage and Warple burned him and didn't, didn't dish it off to him. And Wingard did his arms out pleading gesture, what are you doing kind of thing. He was probably within his rights to do it, but they obviously aren't combining the way they're envisioning just yet. Big boy McAvoy. Hurt in the first minute of the game. Looked like he'd done an, a hamstring, but it turns out it's just a corky. So I guess that experiment of putting him at halfback is on hold. Sam Frost debuted for Hawthorne. He came over from Melbourne. Looked pretty good attacking the contest. But once he had the ball in his hands, he gets a bit of the deer in the headlights about him. Kind of stares off into the distance. Turns around in circles. Like Homer Simpson coaching football. You, spin around in a circle. You, fall down. Well, that's what Sam Frost does. Tim O'Brien, seven touches and a goal. They were talking up his preseason, saying he was probably one of the, the players that are going to jump out of the box for Hawthorne. He looked like the same player to me. I don't think we're going to have that much difference from Tim O'Brien this year. And uh, yeah, the Hawks probably challenged for a little while, and then the Saints rallied, ran home very, very well, and ran the game out beautifully. If you were a Brett Ratton down there at, at Moorabbin, you'd be pretty happy with the way they finished that game off. So we'll move on to... The next game, which was the Dogs. Team Taco, your friends. Team Taco, excellent. They beat North Melbourne pretty handily on Friday night. It's been years. Why has nobody else had a sponsor that's as good as Mission? Mission? Tacos. Well, they can probably get better ones. Like what? Who um, has a better sponsor than the Bulldogs? Who? The, the ball was sponsored by McDonald's at one stage. Gross. Did we not eat McDonald's just two days not ago? Not point. <laughs> Let's get some Still chips for gross. our daughter, she said. <laughs> and then we get to the drive-thru and she's like, you know what, I wouldn't mind a cheeseburger. It's <laughs> always for me. <laughs> so looking at, I mean, this game belonged to Marcus Bontempelli. He had 37 touches, 11 inside 50, completely owned the contest. He was far and away the best player on the ground. But he had these three amigos that ran around with him in Jack McRae. Josh Dunkley, and Lockie Hunter, who's often forgotten when they talk about ball winners at the Western Bulldogs. I think only one of them didn't have over 30 touches, and that was Dunkley. And he had nine tackles as well, so he does a lot of the hard work. And they just look like they are ready to, to jump out of the box, those guys, and take on the world. For North, 
they got a bloke called Jed Anderson. He's a bit of a bull. He'll run through a brick wall to, to get the ball. But when he gets it, he just kind of throws it on his boot and hopes for the best. And he did that probably four or five times in this game. Really, really good at getting it. Not so good at doing anything with it. So I've got one for you here. We, we highlighted during the game that there was a young fella for the Western Bulldogs who looked straight out of a trailer park. His name's Bailey Smith. What is he doing? What is happening there? I don't know whether he lost a bet. Someone on our on our Facebook page decided to stick up for Bailey's hairdo and said it was about having character. No. That's having bad character. That's not having character. I'm not sure what that is, but it's pretty much... I mean, if you were the coach, surely, or someone in charge, you'd be like, sort yourself out. You're a distraction. You're thinking more about your hair than you are about anything else. I don't think he's thinking about his hair at all. Oh, I do. I do, because that's the kind of action you do when you want to prompt a reaction. He got a reaction from us. He looks like he's an extra out of a David Spade movie or something. Oh, he does. Is there a Joe Dirt 2? Joe Dirt. Yeah. (laughs) There's a Joe Dirt 2. I reckon we should send Bailey Smith in for, for the auditions. And they'll hire him, you know, without seeing him act. They're like, oh, well, he doesn't have to act. Just be Just yourself, buddy. Be yourself. <laughs> so in that game, Marley Williams unfortunately collected Ed Richards right in the goal score. I showed you that when he just kind of crunched into him. And Marley will probably be in a bit of trouble for that. I haven't actually heard whether he's been suspended or not at this point. I would think that he would probably be in a bit of trouble. It was high. He elected to bump and Richards wasn't able to continue the game. So he might be in a bit of trouble, Marley. And when you get suspended in this preseason series, you don't miss games in the preseason series. You miss them in the regular home and away season. Oh, I like it. Do you? I hate that. I like it. I think it should be a free-for-all. People should be able to throw others, other people into the fences like Nick Nat. Yeah, now you like it, don't yeah, you? Now I like There'd it. There'd be fences being thrown into a plenty. I'm really easily swayed. You are. Mm. I like that about you. <laughs> so we had the Demons beat the Crows on Saturday afternoon. Uh, the Crows, oh, they, they tried a fair bit through the middle, but the, the game belonged to Christian Petrarca, who we were commenting about the size of his thighs just about three or four weeks ago. And he's actually slimmed down a bit, which is really disappointing. I want him to bulk those thighs up so he couldn't move. He'd be, <laughs> he'd be chafing just by walking down to the shops. He'll flex and a bunch of players will just be like thrown back by the yeah. shockwaves. Yeah, he'll split his pants. <laughs> But no, no, he looked in wonderful form. He had 38 touches. He's never even been close to that in his career. Kicked three goals and had 27 contested possessions. I think the record contested possessions in a game was last year. Ben Cunnington, whose name you really like. Of course. Of course. He had 32 in a game. So he was five touches, five contested touches away from that level. Their pressure was incredible. They had the top four tacklers in the game. They had a bloke named Jake Lever who came back last year from a knee reconstruction. And in the first quarter, he had three intercept marks by himself. So intercept mark is pretty self-explanatory. The other team kicks it. He runs across, jumps up, grabs it, and clears the ball away. He's got a bit of a fiendish mustache at the moment, too. Fantastic. All the horrible guys have mustaches. Anyway, Daniel Talia, two-time All-Australian Adelaide defender. I can't believe he's still underrated. He he was fantastic for Adelaide and really held them together. They would have lost by a fair bit more if not for him. But there's a couple of things that were a bit iffy for Adelaide along the way too. There's a bloke named Matt Crouch that plays there. I think he has the second most disposals in the season ever recorded. 
behind our buddy Tom Mitchell. And every time he gets the ball, he doesn't look forward. So he gets it and he automatically looks sideways and backwards. And I just turned to the side then, so my voice would have went up and down. And you guys are probably annoyed at me, but I'm sorry. But he grabs the ball and he automatically looks sideways or turns backwards. He never looks to actually push the game and take the game on. And it's fine to pick up a whole heap of disposals. It's fine to to rack them up, basically. But he actually doesn't hurt. He had 90 metres gained from 27 touches or something for the whole game. So he hardly pushed the ball forward, just farmed it off and transferred the pressure to other people. And then he capped his day off by running in and whacking Clayton Oliver with his shoulder right in the chin. So he's probably going to get suspended as well. That one might be probably a, a reprimand or a suspended sentence or something like that. It wasn't all that serious. But Oliver was there on the ground spitting and looking a bit uncomfortable. But you'd like him. Looks like a Harry Potter character. He could be the third Weasley brother. Th- third Weasley twin. But he'd get picked on by the other two. Oh, you're terrible. He would be. The other one, I, I spoke up Lockie Murphy last week and thought I reckon he could be he could be someone this year that really takes a step forward and capitalises on opportunities by having Eddie Betts out of the team now and over at Carlton. He responded in this game with three disposals for the whole game. And it wasn't as though he was a fantastic tackler and he did a whole heap of things that were, you know, unsung. He basically just wasn't in the action for the, the whole game. I couldn't work out what the hell he was doing. He did have this wonderful smother late in the game where he, he ran the guy down from behind, threw himself across the guy's boot and smothered the ball. But when the highlight of the game is a smother that you do and you don't have anything else to hang your hat on for the whole game, that was a real fail for him this week. And he's got another game in a couple of weeks' time where he has to make good on, on expectation, I suppose. Because that was pretty, pretty, pretty poor. Uh, so we might jump to the next game, which was probably my favourite Marsh Series game to date. Why is it called Marsh Series? There's uh, a company called Marsh, and they're sponsoring the series. What do they do? Look, let's not go into it. I don't care what <gasps> they do. You don't know. I don't care. There's a difference. L- last year was called the JLT Series. I have no idea what JLT is either. That's pretty bad advertising for them if they sponsor it and they don't actually they're not actually able to get out what their business does yeah, they just got their name there it's probably yeah. some guy called john marsh he's like hey i want to sponsor this series they didn't even put my first name in poor john <laughs> so up on the gold coast the suns absolutely pummeled the cats now you don't read too much into this because it's pre-season so anything can really happen but given the suns i think lost 18 in a row to end the season last year any win for them is a big win. Now, they had some guys join their club. They had a couple leave. The Cats had some quality out there. They had Dangerfield out there. They had Hawkins, your buddy. So they had Gary Ablett running around out there as well, 35 years old. They've spoken about easing the load on him this year, and they've sent him up the Gold Coast for a pretty meaningless game to run around in the humidity. And <laughs> Maybe they're just hoping he'll drop off. He might drop dead if they're not he careful. Because he was obviously a little bit frustrated in this game. He couldn't get his hands on it. He was you know, obviously being targeted. You know, people who want to play on him, or people who are playing on him, it's a feather in their cap if they can keep Gary Ablett quiet. He's probably the best player of the AFL era, so from 1990 onwards in terms of accolades. He's 35, though. But he's 35. He's 35. I have no idea why they were running around, running him around up there in the heat, other than the fact he played there and maybe wanted to say goodbye to oh, the three or 4,000 people who showed up. I'm not sure, but hmm. I, I would have rested him. I would have had him, just have him cherry right for the season 
and then rest him during the season as well. But enough about the losing side. Hugh Greenwood uh, played his first game up for, for Gold Coast. And he's a fantastic pickup. We're going to go into a bit of him later on because someone asked a question about him. But he's the sort of player that fills a need for this team. So in the offseason, people recruited it's what they thought was the best player available. So obviously Tim Kelly, we're going to go into a bit later, he fills a need for West Coast. John Patton fills a need for Hawthorne. But Hugh Greenwood is exactly what the Gold Coast Suns require, which is a mature body, someone who Will they be able to stand up in a tackle? Someone, when he tackles someone, they don't just break it and run away. And he's probably the perfect recruit for that team. He sounds like a lord or something. Or, or the, lord a, Hugh. C- a CEO of a company. It's like, oh, Mr. Greenwood. Mr. Greenwood. Mr. Greenwood, I've got your files here. Mr. Greenwood, you've had 25 touches and nine tackles. Would you like to, would you like me to file that for you? Oh, Hugh, I'm so glad you could join us. <laughs> That's what the sons are saying anyway. They're pretty happy he joined them. He had a ripping game. Probably faded a little bit in the last quarter, but the Suns had the cue in the rack. There's a bloke called Alex Sexton. When I take notes for this, you always look and, get, and say, who's the sex? <laughs> and really, I should start just writing Sexton to avoid that question every time I watch a, a Suns game. But he's never seen a shot at goal he doesn't like, and never seen a shot that he thinks he can't kick. The thing is, though, he actually kicks them. So he kicks six goals too, just gets to the right spot all the time. And unlike our friend Joe Ganino, you can finish this off for me, go on. He finishes. He does finish. <laughs> Joe Ganino, you keep trying, buddy. I really like the Gold, Gold Coast Suns kids. Uh, Brody was fantastic. Ben Ainsworth, former number four pick, but he's been dealing with injury for the last couple of years. And uh, you know, I've spoken to a fair few Gold Coast supporters. Believe me, Believe it or not, they're out there. And they're all very high on him. They reckon that he, he'll be the breakout player for that, that team this year. Um, Matt Rell had 20 touches. Noah Anderson was really nice. Kicked a goal as well. Fantastic sidestep through traffic. There's a bloke called Connor... Excuse me if I get this name wrong. Buderick. And I was sitting there thinking, who, who the hell is this guy? He's had no press. No one's talked him up. He got out there. He was trying things. He was doing stuff. And I'm like, is he trying to do too much? And it turns out he wasn't trying to do too much. He's actually capable of doing all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, he's slipped under the radar. Is he a rookie? Yes, yeah, his first game. Well, he, he hasn't played a game yet because the season hasn't started. But he played this practice match and was really good. Another bloke called Jeremy Sharp came on after halftime. And he was pretty... Come on, come on. Sharp. I know you weren't paying attention when I said that. That's why you I missed was, it. I was, but I thought his name's Sharp. Surely you don't want me to just say Sharp. And, and maybe I was like... should have said... I should have called him Jeremy Pointy. <laughs> <laughs> he was really good. Kicked his first goal. Was pretty happy about it. They've got a guy called Isaac Rankine to come back into this side. And he... He's the sort of bloke that he's like a myth at the moment. He was taken very early a couple of years ago in the draft. Hasn't played a game. It's been hurt. He's had hamstring and hip injuries. People keep talking about how amazing he's going to be. And then it comes time to play a practice match. And like, oh, Rankine's not playing this week. I'm like, can we just get this guy on the park? And just he's like a present that the, your parents threaten you with. Like, hey, we're going to get you this. And when you be a bit naughty, they're like, oh, we're going to take that present away. You're not going to have this Rankine this week now. And I'm like, come on, guys, just deliver ranking. Get him out there on the park. I actually want to see this guy play. It's like that board game I bought you for your birthday a couple of birthdays ago. That I'm still waiting and it for. it still hasn't arrived. Yeah. 
watch out when you get stuff off Kickstarter, guys. Sometimes it's more like Kickstop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty disappointed about that. It's coming, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. It? So there's a couple of players I thought the jury was out on this week. And I'll go back to the North Melbourne game. Magic Door came back from his horrific injuries. I'm actually really surprised that he made it back. I don't understand it at all. I mean... So broken pelvis. That's crazy. And I think, and this, I might be wrong here, guys, I apologize, but I think there was a broken hip in there as well. So that's multiple huge injuries. He's come back, he looks like a Greek god. He's just built like a brick shithouse. Which, the Greek god bit's better than brick shithouse, but, you know, <laughs> we're appealing to all, all demographics here. So he, he looks like a specimen, but his timing was off. He, he kind of missed the ball a few times. His recovery wasn't there. And it'll probably take him a few runs to just to get everything back the way it was, assuming he is able to. I'm not sure he's in the team for round one. I wouldn't be playing him at the moment. I'd want to see a bit more of him in the VFL. Do you think this is a conditioning thing, or do you think this is stemming from his injuries? It might be a bit of both. I mean, maybe he, he doesn't have the power that he used to. Like, you can still look great. You see bodybuilders, yeah, but yeah. cardiovascularly, they're no good. That Those injuries he incurred were... that was substantial and if he is 90% of what he was he's still a better athlete than the most in the competition (laughs) but he may not be able to do all those things just yet I thought you were going to say he's a better athlete than us and I was just like that's a low bar (laughs) yeah let's not go too far (laughs) I walked up and down the stairs at least four times today (laughs) maybe three Uh, and Josh Jenkins down at at Geelong I think he's going to need a bit of time to find his place he kind of attacked the contest all right didn't have much luck the cats were horrid so it wasn't as though he was going to be able to excel in a team that wasn't getting him the ball that often i think he's 31 years old we're going to get to that in a minute as well but he's going to have to find his niche down at geelong playing second fiddle to to tom hawkins so yeah that was the that was the marsh series to this point pretty entertaining the guys are going at it pretty hard there's been some big hits marsh pharmaceuticals that's what it is, is it? No. Oh. I thought it might have been Rodney Marsh cricket gloves. But there yeah, you go. That was my guess. World is Marsh's oyster. Yep. I want to, I want Marsh to come on board and sponsor our, our podcast. The Marsh Mongrel Punt Podcast. What does Marsh do? Sponsor podcasts, apparently. <laughs> so we might move on to the listener questions. All right. Oh, this is my thing, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah I'm glad you paid attention. Look... <laughs> Takes a couple of goes before I get something right. Now, Scott is asking, are the cats too old? I think that all the cats are younger than me. All of them? Yes. Gary Ablett's 35. Yeah. They're all younger than me. Then they're not too old, obviously. They're ancient. They're decaying. Their bodies are useless. Anyone over 30 in professional sports, no. I've got a few, like Dangerfield hits 30 this year, Gary Ablett's 35, Zach Tui's 30, Harry Taylor's 33, Jack Stephen, who they just recruited, is 30, oh sorry, he's turning 30, Josh Jenkins they just recruited, he's 31, Joel Selwood, Puppy Dog Eyes, 31, Lockie Henderson, 30, and they just redrafted him because they delisted him. That's a lot of 30 pluses when you consider the talent of those guys at 30 plus i just dissed everybody who's over 30 and physically active 
I no longer consider <laughs> myself over 30. I consider myself way, way over 30. <laughs> and I'm thinking probably because my untrained kind of slug-like self. I prefer you to consider yourself more sloth-like. Oh, I am more yeah, sloth-like. Just, you, know, you like to sleep a lot I'm and you slow. don't move very quickly. Yeah. Why would you? I don't get injured that often. That's pretty good. Yeah. But these guys are in peak physical form. Yeah. Apparently. Apparently. It's so, harder to recover from injury, yeah? Yeah, look, I, I think this is a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to being beaten by the Gold Coast. So had they trotted out and you know played a, a really high-quality team like Richmond or Collingwood or West Coast, or Team Taco for your benefit, people may not have looked at this loss through the same lens. They would have looked at it and thought, oh, well, you know, they were trying some things out. They were throwing players into the middle who probably aren't going to play that position all year. They ended up, you know, having Charlie Constable out there for a good stretch in the second half in the middle, and he showed plenty. So there's a little bit to it. that the Last season, their, their best players, or the players that really stood up, were like Tom Stewart, Tom Atkins, Luke Dalhouse, and your buddy, Brian Myers, who looks like... <laughs> Grug. He looks like Grug. <laughs> he's marvellous. Yeah, he looks like he's growing a mushroom on his head. Poor bloke. But they were the guys who kind of stood up last year and they kind of need that again from from people like Mitch Duncan and Menegola and Narkel and I mentioned Constable before and if they can get Nakaya Cockatoo on the park as well great name Nakaya Cockatoo that's marvellous yeah that's, that's, that's in your favourite yeah if only you could actually get on the park and play a game that'd oh. be great because you'd, you'd call those games I think you'd even review yeah maybe games if Cockatoo was playing like Joe Ganino. I think he likes a cockatoo. <laughs> oh, no. Anyway, so the, the, the cats look pretty old, but they didn't actually play well either, so it's, it's easy to judge them harshly. I think they'll be fine. Okay, sorry. I'm still dealing with the Joe Ganino thing. Okay. Um, Christopher asks, should the team that finished higher in the home and away season be granted the grand final? So... At the moment, there's a 50-year deal signed with the MCG. We're about in year three of it. Oh, my gosh. So by the time this deal finishes and the grand final is played anywhere else, I'm afraid I may be dead. Possibly. Yeah, you will be. Maybe it's a 40-year deal. Could be a 40-year deal. 40-year deal. Yeah, I might be just hanging on. You can explain to me you know, all the new technology and stuff then. And I'll be too busy blending your food. Yeah. Well, I'll eat it. Be good. Can you blend some of that lasagna that you made? That'd be fantastic. So, ideally, yes, that would be great. If if the highest ranked team won the right to host the grand final, should they get there, that that would be ideal. If that's the case, Western Australia just built a sixty thousand seat stadium, whereas the MCG holds a hundred. Adelaide, I think they hold fifty thousand, maybe fifty two thousand tops. So what you're doing is that that'd just be filled by corporates. They'd be in there, you know, you you'd get fifteen thousand tickets usually at the MCG each for each club for members, and the rest is taken up by AFL members, MCC and sponsors. So Why did you, they build such a small stadium? I mean good it's not question. it's not a small stadium, that's an insane thing to it's say. It's a wonderful it's stadium. A, why did then why didn't they make it bigger? Good question. I think we should have someone on the podcast who knows a bit about that and actually respond one of the West Coast fans or Fremantle fans over or there? 
Jeremiah Marsh, stadium builder and entrepreneur. Maybe, maybe he could sponsor a bigger stadium over there. <laughs> Marshy. So I'm a Victorian. I have no problem with the, the grand final being hosted elsewhere if someone wins the right to it. But the AFL obviously has an agenda and a, an agreement with the MCG that this is the home of football. And Christopher asked that, I read his comment on, on the Facebook page, and he asked that tradition not be factored into this. The problem is in 40 years time, the tradition is only stronger. So you have another 40 years of history and another 40 years of the grand final at the same venue to basically enforce that it should be played there. And if we uh, you know, ever get to the point where we're more than just a little podcast and website, themunglepunk.com, best website on the internet, we'd love a couple of tickets to go over to <laughs> WA or South Australia for the grand final. It'd be lovely. So I think, yeah. I, I, think I mention it once a week. Yes, you'd love to go to Our WA. Holiday, yeah. We might go at some point. Next month. That'd be good. Uh, Brett. Good name. <laughs> oh, Brett asks, can Hugh Greenwood have a bigger impact than Tim Kelly in his new surroundings? This is actually a really good question, and it's phrased brilliantly because he's not asking whether Greenwood is a better player than Kelly. He's asking who's going to have the biggest impact on his new team. And as good as Tim Kelly is, I actually think it might be Greenwood in Gold Coast because Kelly's going across and he's joining a team that already has enormous amounts of talent in the midfield they have Elliot Yo there Andrew Gaff Luke Shuey's just been named captain they're your top tier then you got guys like Sheed and Redden underneath them well not right underneath them but more to the side and to the back so Kelly's more got to fit in with what they're already doing yes he'll add to them but Greenwood goes up to Gold Coast and he can actually establish himself really, really quickly as one of the premier players in the in this midfield. He was he was at Adelaide with the Crouch brothers and Rory Sloan and was playing behind them and contending for the same spot with Cam Ellis Yolman. And I think those two guys, Ellis Yolman and Greenwood, are gonna have huge impacts on their new teams. As I said before, Hugh Greenwood was a targeted recruit to bring something to a team that they desperately needed. Cam Ellis-Yolman was exactly the same to Brisbane. He's been brought up there to provide a bit of toughness and help out Lockie Neal. I have no idea why a team like Essendon didn't go after one of them. They've been lacking an inside mid for ever, well, since Joe Watson retired. And they just didn't do it. And now you've got Greenwood and and Ellis-Yolman. We saw on Saturday night Greenwood doing exactly what he was recruited for. I think his career high is in the 20s for possessions in a game, and he was right. He was very close to it on Saturday night. He, if he stays fit, I reckon he's going to have career highs, and people will be saying, how did people not go after Hugh Greenwood a little bit more pointedly? Okay. Our friend Boris is asking... Is it Boris from Facebook? Yes. Yes. Our good friend Boris. and colleague Boris from Facebook is asking, based on what we've seen, which teams are likely to break into the eight? Who is more on track? Well, it's St Kilda and the Suns. Um, They're going to both win the grand final and also probably do a joint parade. They do a parade, right? They do. They do a parade. There you go. They will, I mean. They probably don't, but they will. If you insist. So can I just ask you before I go into this, what's your fascination with St Kilda? 
Oh, look, they don't seem to go very well. No, they don't. <laughs> and I actually really like St Kilda. I feel like... Um, why are you making crying face at me? Because you used to like the sad coach. Oh, I did like sad coach, but this goes beyond sad coach. This goes to cake shops. What's that um, theme park there? Luna Park. Luna Park. So... <laughs> this is actually very sad. I'd always go to the cake shops with my family and we'd get a cake and I'd always look at the roller coaster and think, gee, that would be fun. And they never took me. <laughs> so maybe I now hate St. Kilda. Yeah, she's off St. Kilda now, guys. Gold Coast, it's all you. Suns. Suns are going to win. And uh, while we're at it, uh, Gold Coast Suns, what's the appeal? Oh, it's just, it's just fat coach. And I'm sorry to call him that. Well, it's fact. It is fact. Do you know, I think I told you but last year, coach. someone threw like a, a jelly baby <laughs> at the coach's yeah. box and it landed on the desk and he <laughs> ate it. <laughs> Stuart, that was one of my favorite moments that of was, the year. That there was, was some, magical, actually. Some great football highlights and big marks and big tackles and bumps. <laughs> I'm like, Stuart I liked Jew. when Stuart Jew ate the jelly baby. <laughs> so, he was in a moment of high stress. <laughs> it was. Well, he needed sustenance. So, Boris... It's a bit early for us to, to jump on any team you know, as the big improver. From Thursday night, either of St Kilda or Hawthorne could make a big jump. I'm pretty bullish about North Melbourne, even though they got whacked by the dogs. And the dogs handled them pretty easy. And picking the eight on the Marsh series form, form is pretty fraught with danger. I think uh, some people look great, or some teams look great in February and March, early March, and then fall away pretty quickly. We saw with Gold Coast last year, they won three of their first four and didn't win a game for the whole year. So a lot of teams hit the ground running and then hit the ground real hard when someone (laughs) knocks them over. So you don't think that um, the Suns are going to win then? That's what you're telling me? I think the Suns might win a few games. They might win at all. They they won't win at all. Really? No, no, no. They'll They'll be a better team. They'll be playing better football, it wouldn't surprise me if they win three games again. But they won't be getting blown out and destroyed by teams in the back half of the year because they've recruited guys, big-bodied guys, stronger guys, adults, to nurture the kids as they come through. All right, the Suns are now my second team. All right, behind? Well, Hawks. We're a, we're a Hawks family. You never, my... You've never admitted to that before. It's good to have you on board. Well, look, if my daughter's running around in a hawk scarf and a hawk's hat, you don't think for a second I'm going to betray her. I'll betray you in a heartbeat, but yeah. not her. I, I bribe her to do that. Mm. Look, guys, we might leave it there this week. Uh, we're going to be watching the, the last Marsh game and have the review up tonight, hopefully. The, the Lions and the Power. It's at, I think, Morton Bay or something, which is interesting. Um, there you go. Please jump on the mongrelpunt.com and have a look around. We've posted articles all, all through the weekend all reviews are up and the aflw review will be up tonight as well stay safe guys we'll catch you next week